It's another day, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome back to Iowa's Newsworthy Past. The following episode includes items published in the Cascade Pioneer in Cascade, Iowa on Friday, July 7th, 1876. From Farley, the glorious fourth passed off quietly in Arburg, but very pleasantly. The Catholics under Father McCarran had a picnic and dance just northeast of town, and the Grangers arose in their might and got up a free picnic southwest of town, where free ice cream and lemonade flowed like water. Not so plentifully, however, as water did a little later in the evening. The flood did not do much damage in town, but crops were injured. Nearly all the bridges in the neighborhood were washed away, and communication by both the mail and telegraph was stopped. Sad, indeed, is the report that reaches us from Rockdale, where an eyewitness informs us he saw 23 bodies which is not more than half of the number missing. Loss of property is bad enough, but is nothing compared to such wholesale loss of life. There has been much sickness and death in this vicinity lately. Among others, we mention Mrs. Dr. J.T. Lambert and Mrs. A.H. Nichols, both of whom died very suddenly. Business is tolerably lively, although bad crops keep a good many farmers at home. Farley Monticello has quite railroads enough already. At least our people would give nothing towards the building of another, and we hardly believe that Dubuque, Cascade, and the people along the line would raise so large an amount in these pinching times. If the Cascade and Dubuque folks think they can stand so heavy a load alone, we dare say that everybody wishes them success. But we are not extravagant in saying that no material aid need be looked for in this quarter. Jones County Liberal. Our Monticello friends are really very frank in expressing their sentiments on the railroad question, but bless their dear hearts, we knew their sentiments before they spoke. The wolf never curried favor with the lamb except to eat him, and if Cascade has escaped being swallowed body and breeches by Monticello, it was not because Monticello did not try to get her jaws wide enough open to take her in. We do not question for a single moment that the people of Monticello are wise enough to know when they have got a good thing, and they will do their level best to keep it. They will fight and frown and slur any tangible attempt to bring a railroad to Cascade. But that does not do away with the fact which remains bright and omnipresent in the minds of the citizens of Cascade that they possess the means within themselves to build and pay for a railroad and the accomplishment of the enterprise is only a question of time which will be determined by the amount of active energy and enterprise that is thrown into it. Death and Destruction The ravages of the storm Tuesday night 
Wind and flood sweep everything before them. Village of Rockdale wiped out of existence. Railroads wrecked and bridges demolished. Houses floated away, cattle drowned and field and forest submerged. Terrific carnival of wind and rain. The storm which fell upon this section of country on the evening of Tuesday last was one that will long endure in the remembrance of man. Its wild destruction of life and property were almost unparalleled, and its unabated fury during nearly five consecutive hours was awe-inspiring. It rose from the north and northwest, gathering with slow momentum during the entire afternoon of the 4th, stolid-faced and thunderheads rising and receding like silent monitors from the cool spaces of the northern tents of the sky until evening when a light rain set in at 10 o'clock gradually acquiring power and density and at midnight heaven and earth were covered with swift revolving circles of storm between four and five o'clock in the morning The tempest spent itself and dissolved in the magnificence of sunrise and the ardor of a burning summer's day. The railroads. The storm wrecked the railroads in every direction. On the Dubuque southwestern, nearly every culvert and bridge between Cedar Rapids and Farley was either entirely raised or seriously damaged by the storm, and a week must elapse before trains will be regularly running over that route again. The Midland Road between Clinton and Anamosa lost two bridges, one a mile east of Anamosa and one three miles west of Monmouth, and has considerable track washed out near Clinton. The Illinois Central between Farley and Dubuque was never so thoroughly used up as now. The iron rails were snatched from their pinionings to the ties and carried away bodily by the gale, Whole embankments were washed out and disappeared like a handful of sand in the great sea. Bridges were lifted, granite piers and all, and washed in the foaming surge on whose bosom they were carried hundreds of rods and deposited in ravines and highways. Rockdale, a peaceful village on the outskirts of Dubuque, Situated in the heart of a deep and rocky defile, watered by the catfish and hemmed in on all sides by lofty verdure-clad hills, which are an everlasting watershed for a broad stretch of country, was overtaken at midnight by flood and destruction as though smitten by God's wrath. The torrents rushing down the hillsides swelled the catfish, until with restless energy it leaped across into the olden channel from which it had been diverted to feed the mill dam and gaining strength and volume each second of that bitter midnight swept the village and its inhabitants out of existence with one fierce giant wave which gathered at the foot of the hills from a million little torrents and rushed on its mission like an archangel of destruction with lightning lighted crest The destruction of Rockdale was a scene never to be forgotten. Everything but the mill was swept away, and 39 souls were lost in it. The following are the names of those who went down in the flood whose bodies have been recovered. Peter Knapp, Mrs. Peter Knapp, Matthias Knapp, 
Mary Knapp, Joseph Knapp, Mrs. Elizabeth Carey, Jane Carey, Frank Carey, Lizzie Carey, Henry Becker, Mary Becker, Albert Becker, Lucy Bauer, Winston Bradbury, Joseph Becker, Mrs. Joseph Becker, Henry Becker, Mary Becker, Alice Becker, Thomas Blinkiron, Olive Blinkiron, John Glasson, Mrs. John Glasson, Christian Glasson, Lizzie Glasson, Mary Glasson, Mrs. Kinsley, James Pierce, Mrs. Jason Pierce, Lena Pierce, Ada Pierce, Maggie Glasson. Total 32. The names appearing twice are members of different families. The names of those lost and not yet found are John Knapp, Peter Knapp, Alec Becker, Nicholas Knapp, Peter Becker, Richard Burke, Lena Glasson. Total 7. The Tide in the River. An immense volume of water has passed through the channel of the North Fork since the storm. The water began rising Wednesday morning as the first stage of the flood from Spring Valley and Scotch Hollow began to roll into it. This passed, the tide declined until 5 o'clock in the afternoon when the tidal wave from the headwaters of the river reached us and the waters suddenly rose 6 feet, the swell continuing until after midnight when it began to fall and has now reached its usual stage. Not as high. It was stated that this was the highest stage of water ever known in the Maquoketa at this point, but Thomas Chu, Esquire, one of the oldest settlers, denies it. He says that when the mill was swept away 20 years ago, the water reached the top of the cliffs below the present site of the mills. If such is the fact, our late flood was not as high as the old one by three or four feet. But without controversy, it was high enough to suit the most ardent lover of heaven's elemental fluid. Mill Damages As the water rose Wednesday night, Messrs. Fay and Croston stood sentry at their mill with preparations made to remove their grain and flour on short notice should the water rise high enough to submerge the flour of the mill, and it did, and it did rise within six inches of it. The head gate and the end of the to the sawmill on the opposite side of the river were washed out by the torrent. It is reported on the streets that the wall to F.J. Myers Spring Valley Mills above Cascade were washed out by the flood and considerable other damage wrought. A bridge toppled. The flood in Bangert's branch carried off the superstructure of the bridge just below town. The white water was on the rampage. At its mouth, the water swept out all the farm fences, taking eight and ten panels at a single time and floating them away. Daniel Dixon's farm was completely submerged. Ten acres of corn belonging to William Henry was lost under a sheet of backwater. The water was so high in the Whitewater Creek during the night of the 4th that parties from Prairie Creek and Garyone, who had been in town attending the celebration, were unable to make a crossing and were compelled to remain in Cascade the next day. Bridges swept out. The torrent, which ran riot through the Spring Valley on the road to Washington, swept away John Souser's 
Patrick series, Kinzingers, and other bridges. It is said that there is not one bridge left in the valley. Farm Creek. The farm fences, meadows, and crops generally suffered on Farm Creek. From Hickman's place at the head of the valley, all the fencing was swept out. Besides the destruction of the Bangert, Garrett Ritter, John Dowd, and James Lang bridges. A spring house gone. Victor Myers' spring house, half a mile below Ritter's farm on Farm Creek, was upset by the water and $100 worth of butter destroyed. $500 damaged. John Coyle, whose farm borders on Farm Creek, estimates that the storm damaged his property $500. Damage at Canton. The flume of Hudson's Mill at Canton, Jackson County, was carried out by the flood on Wednesday. Nearly drowned. A young man named Quigley, residing near Anamosa, who attempted to ford the south fork of the Maquoketa on horseback, where it had overflowed the highway leading to the Monticello to bridge by advice of a cheese man who was waiting on its brink with a heavy load of curds, narrowly escaped finding a watery grave. He had barely reached the middle of the current when he found his horse could not stem the tide and they were swept downstream together. All the bottom lands in that vicinity were covered by the eddying flood and the waves dashed quickly and the horse into a clump of trees where he caught upon an underhanging branch and clung there, holding the horse's head above water until a boat was pushed out into the stream to rescue them and they reached terra firma safely on the opposite side of the stream and quickly went on his way, cursing the duplicity of the cheese man. In Cascade, the storm did little damage more than to overflow lowlands and fill the cellars in the lower part of town. Notice, all persons knowing themselves indebted to Peter Less will please settle the same or the undersigned will publicly post all such delinquents. Peter Less.